this. This is this is diversified game game a podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, you're in for a treat. I found a motorcycle racer. Samantha is going to tell us how she got into motorcycle racing. You'll see her Instagram handle right there, and she is going fast, people. No holds barred. (laughs) This is clickbait. She's really the one riding the motorcycle. Samantha, welcome to Diversified Game. Hi, thank you for inviting me. So how's it going? All is well. But really, for you, how is it going? Because you are doing things that scare most people. You know, my first question is, how fast have you gone? What's the fastest you've gone on that motorcycle? That's a pretty common question. And um, usually on the track, it depends really um, what track you're going on. But when I used to street race... Don't tell anybody. I uh, my top speed was probably around like 180, 176, around that. So, but that's on a straightaway. On a track, uh, typically would uh, top out or maybe around one fifty five. So, because you have to like downshift really quick, <laughs> you don't want to okay. go too fast. How so. how did you get into racing, and how long have you been doing it? Um, that's a good question. I actually started racing, uh, 2015. So, and I was scouted. I was hanging out like at bike night and, you know, Detroit area, just hanging out, having a coffee. And a guy came up to me and he's like, Hey, have you ever, you know, tried track racing or track days? And I'm like, uh, I didn't even know that existed. This is how small minded I was when it came to, you know, a performance. And, um, I said, no, I've never tried it. What's up with that? And he was actually an instructor. So my first track day, I drove out two and a half hours on the west side of Michigan, and it was just like so intimidating, you know, uh, all guys, I was the only girl, and I'm like, okay, hi, <laughs> here I am, and I tried it, and it just, it was like a drug. I did not stop. I, that was my first time, and it's not going to be the last, and that was uh, probably around summer of 2015. So. What made him ask you? Were you on a bike already? Um... Oh, yeah, I was. And I gained quite a reputation through street racing. So like, if I were to pull up, for example, and other people are there, bikers, and they're like, oh, hey, that that chick, you know, can ride. And she's like racing, street racing other dudes and, you know, on big leader bikes, and she's kind of like passing them on corners. So they want to know a little bit more about me. And I'm just like having fun. I didn't care. So, um, so that's why he came up to me. He's like, okay, she obviously has that passion, something in her that could be a potential for something greater. And I really, I still appreciate him to this day. We share garages at the track, you know, still. So his name's Ryan Kramer. He's a great guy. And yeah, how did you get into into street racing? Um, people asking me, they challenge me and they're like, Hey, you know, like you want to, go you know race from for example there's royal oak which is like uh, i would say 16 miles from detroit like the inner city of detroit and they say like okay let's start from royal oak and you know hit the highways go all the way down to detroit whoever makes it there first 
pays for drinks or pays for dinner, you know, and I'm like, okay, cool. I'll, you know, I'll have a free pizza. So, <laughs> and I, I did that. And, um, I just ended up winning quite a few races and I kind of got excited by that. And that's okay. kind of how it all started just by people asking me like, Hey, let's, let's, you know, jog race or hit up different areas. Now I'm going to, I'm going to even push further because with starting with street racing, I'm yeah. sure people see you all day and they say, Hey, she could be a lawyer. She could be a this, she could be a that. They wouldn't probably see you as a racer. So right. at what age did you get on your first motorcycle and what kind of motorcycle was it? Oh, okay. So, um, nobody in my family likes motorcycles. So my mom can't stand it. My dad can't stand it, you know, and, um, I just, always had a desire to ride like my dad he was friends with biker dudes so mm-hmm. and he always owned like show cars like old Corvettes classic cars and I would go and hang out and just like always admired the biker dudes like I thought they were so cool free-spirited and there's just something about them that I kind of like I aspired to be like so as I got older I still had that itch I'm like I want to get on a bike you know and at the age of 18 I <laughs> I got accepted for a credit card I'm like, wow, Yamaha, you know, and I'm like, that's a deal. 19, I don't even know. No, actually it was 29% interest. So I'm like, oh, that's cool. I bought my first bike. It was a 250 Yamaha and um, I had it delivered. I had no idea how to ride yet. I actually had the bike delivered to me because I didn't even know how to turn a thing on. So I taught myself um, how to ride. I practiced in, you know, the parking lot, went down a couple of times (laughs) <laughs> and I got back up and got right back on that thing and just kept going. And um, that's kind of where it all started, really, at the age of 18, 19, and um, just ignited from there. Now, you know, having your bike fall for the first time, what was that feeling? Because here you have this shiny, you know, beautiful yeah. <laughs> thing, and it falls. I mean, what's going through your head? Um. There's a few different emotions because I crashed quite a few times. My first crash, though, I got up. Adrenaline was kicking. You know, um, I worried more so about my bike. I'm like, no. And I had, you know, I had gear on, like my jacket, gloves, helmet, you know, you can name it. I, you know, I still had bruises, like bruises this big. It was just pretty terrible but I was just so worried about my bike I'm like oh my gosh and I picked it up right away checking everything and people are like are you okay because <laughs> you just flew like high-sided off the bike because of gravel and it's just you know it's pretty intense I, I was so eager to learn and a lot of people do that you know they want to like uh, learn something so quick and they don't follow the certain you know steps so I went from step one to step five and that's where I kind of you know I had a lay down for a little bit off the bike (laughs) so yeah it didn't feel too good I would say but I love it I I crash I get up and that's it's a learning experience for me now do you do any street racing now and I'm asking that because you know you're on the track everything is legit but is there like a thrill to go back ever to the street racing are you um, you know, to be honest with you, I don't have that desire. Um, due to the fact that the road conditions for one are quite terrible. So like, as I get older, I'm more rational. At night, usually people do the racing, and I can't really see well at night. 
there's potholes and I've seen it all on a freeway. I mean, a ladder in the middle of the freeway. So <laughs> I don't want to, you know, hit that and just like, you know, you never know what could happen. The possibilities are endless versus a track, which is monitored. They have, you know, EMS right on site and uh, there's an instructor there telling you and, and you know, they want you to improve as a rider and improve your skills. So that became very addicting to me. And um, I just don't have, I, I, once I started track sessions, I just never looked back and never had that desire to track, I mean, uh, street race anymore. So, okay. and I don't want speeding tickets. <laughs> That's okay. not fun. So, there, so there's no, you know, in your other life, you're like the fast and the furious still, you know. Right. <laughs> oh, the, the fantasy. It was fun, I, you know, I mean, hanging out, like there was an abandoned uh, airport. So if you want to talk about like the Fast and Furious thing, it was just like that. Like there was the clicks and all the different type of cars and bikes you can think of and everyone would just meet up and just do their quick drag races. And here comes all the cops, everyone spreads, you know, in different directions and you kind of like have to run away from them. But that was the heyday and, you know, the rebellion part of me that, I'll have to just keep there and not go back because it's, you know, not the smartest decisions I've made in my life, but I got lucky. You know? <laughs> I'm from the Bay Area. And so for yeah. us, they have these things called sideshows. And it's just basically where people do the donuts and many people right. can come out. And back in the day, I'm talking way back in the day. Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, when it was it was fun at this age i couldn't see myself out there with a bunch of kids and the rowdiness and having to deal and run with the police so i definitely get that but there was some there was no money really at the side shows as far as you know who could do the best this and that racing right. different um was there money in the street race or was it more for the passion um so as far as batting goes uh, with street races, there was money for sure. Like, uh, some guys had a reputation, like, for example, I forget his nickname, but, uh, he was from Detroit and he had a Corvette, you know, twin turbo supercharged. This guy had like 800 horsepower in a rear wheel and he would just, you know, come by, show up out of nowhere and say, Hey, I have five grand. Who, who wants to race me? And that's, that's where the, uh, you know, adrenaline, that's where like, the excitement comes in. So obviously I didn't, you know, I'm like, I don't, I don't have the money. I was 18 years old and I'm still like, I'm a little 250. So I, you know, I was the spectator at that point, but it was amazing uh, watching how much money goes into it as far as street races go um, unofficially and the professional racing, you get sponsorships, um, you know, advertising and you get the track days and the training paid for and it's just great to have like almost like an olympic but you get you earn a medal and it's like something that you talk about and you're excited about so it's more so a sport for me but and we you know, know I mean? yeah ra racing is expensive i've had friends who do you know the, the yeah. cars and different levels and racing is expensive and there's also just like the music industry kind of an underworld you know there's some yeah. goons and goblins in it 
how do you um, navigate even, you know, being able to stay in it when certain folks have money, you know, they, I call it Afghan money because it's coming from all over, you know, it's, yeah. and, and so how, how does, if someone says, I want to get into racing, but it's just way too expensive. Are there any, you know, organizations, grants besides, you know, your typical sponsors that aren't always the easiest to get for everybody? Um, they used to have, uh, they don't do any anymore. And I don't know why, uh, there's a company called STT sport bike track time. And if it was your first track day, it would be for free. So I don't know if people abused it or whatnot, but they stopped doing that. And, um, that was back in like 2015, 16, but, uh, now, unfortunately you have to pay for every track day and, and it is expensive. Like, I spent maybe $800 so far and I've only done maybe like four track days. So, and you have to spend on tires and, you know, um, equipment, but they do have like, if you were to go, you still have to pay for your track day, but you can do uh, track suit rentals and, you know, um, there's a, uh, what is it called? An event from uh, Ducati Detroit. They actually have it to where you can rent one of their bikes and take it to the track. But if you've never been to the track, there's like a liability thing and you don't want to drop a $25,000 motorcycle. So <laughs> it's just one of those things. It's tough to navigate through if you're on a budget, you know, but you can buy a uh, yeah. cheap track bike. I mean, the one I have, I got it for three grand and it rides great, honestly. I mean, if you crash it, you won't cry about it and you won't take a big hit off of, you know, the budget. So... I'm an adrenaline junkie. I've I've ridden bulls. I've I've raced a Lamborghini. I like things like that, Um, and uh, and all those things. I mean, I was shocked how much bull riding, how expensive it is. If you really get into it, I mean, the rope alone used is two hundred dollars, and you know, you're like, whoa, this this is costly. Plus, I won't wear a helmet because I'm a real cowboy. And so, you know, if anything is to happen, you, that can be really expensive. Thank God nothing had happened. But, you know, riding this motorcycle going so fast, I'm sure you've heard all the stories. My friends who ride motorcycles saying getting hit is part of it. And then they get back on their bike to me, that's, I'm like, you guys are the real daredevils because, you know, how do you deal with the psychology of that? And have you ever been hit while just, you know, casually going on your motorcycle or in a race? Um, you know what? Uh, luckily, I've never been hit by a car. I've had close calls and kind of, yeah, it's, I hate to compare it to this, but it's almost like a, a video game. So you have to, and you only have one life. And uh, you have to look at everything. You have to look at every driver, every person that's out there and uh, kind of predict their next move. So, and every time I just remember like me going on the freeway and I'm going maybe 80 miles an hour and there's someone next to me. I'm like, that person's going to turn and cut me off. And boom, sure enough, they cut me off. And you have to be very aware of your surroundings. And that's probably what kept me from, getting hit but sometimes it's out of your control you just you never know when it could happen and that's part of the reason why I kind of got off the streets because it's just there's a lot of mystery and the unknown that I'd I'd rather not you know take that big risk and I've heard you know I know many people that are no longer here with us today 
because of the, you know those reasons that people just don't look out for bikers on the road and it's okay. unfortunate but so, yeah so we need the tesla bike um to try to help with some of those you know incidents where, oh right yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we do need that thank god they're you know they're coming up with that now yeah so, and, and so do you even ride at all on the street anymore or do you just save it all for the track oh you know what uh i purposely got uh old 1970 honda cb350 which that thing maybe tops out at like 65 miles an hour 70 so that's like my city bike where i go to the coffee house chill and you know hang out for a little bit. So it kind of tames me. I got to, I got to have a little governor on my bike <laughs> from doing bad things. So because like, I still have that itch. I'm like, damn it. This thing only goes like 70 miles an hour. <laughs> I catch yeah. myself sometimes. Okay. So, yeah. It's like buying a diesel, uh, old diesel, you know, you can only go so fast. Uh, right. Start. So no, that that that's um, awesome. So I know you have a plan to go, you know, pro. And yes. tell us how that has, you know, do you had, did you have to do so many races? Did you have to write so many sponsors? Like, what is the process of going pro? Um, great question. Uh, so next year, this is my plan. Uh, you go to racing school. They have a thing called pro school. You get your license. And, um, and then that's where those companies are hanging out. They're kind of like, uh, what do they call that? Scouting you. So they're looking out for people that kind of have a unique, um, uh, way with them, or they are great, you know, at performing, they have a, a good track time and they say, Hey, you know, I, I want to sponsor you. And they put their label on your bike or your track suit. And that helps, you know, uh, pay for a lot of the expenses, which you know, the tires you burn through, that's like $400 a pop and, and you know, you name it. <clears throat> and it, it's a lot of time too. So I have to drive like three hours at a time for each weekend of a session. So, but yeah, um, that's typically the process. You have to get your license and then you can compete, you know, wherever you want. And depending on what type of bike you have, there's 600 class and 1000 uh, CC class and even, you know, 250 and 300 CC classes. So now how long is racing school? Um, well, honestly, uh, it's a one day. Oh. So the instructors, they follow you and you do mock races and it's, they have classes. So you, after each session, you go to a class and they really hone in your uh, riding capabilities. So, so they, make sure that you're, you know, a great, uh, athlete. So, and it is a physical sport. I have to tell you <laughs> it's uh draining in the best ways. Well, and talk about that. Cause folks are like, wait, you're just on a bike. I mean, how, I mean, can't I be, you know, 300 pounds and be on the bike and, you know, just. Nope. <laughs> nope. Um, it is, oh my gosh. Like even for me, and I'm, I, I'd like to say I'm pretty physically fit. Like I run, I lift weights and I know like this year kind of like screwed everything up. They closed the gyms, but I ran outside. I still was pretty active. And once I started my track days, it exhausted me so much. Even uh, pro school, like I actually got sick from overexhaustion. So it was just, it took everything out of me. You know, like how uh, in um, personal training, they push you until you like almost throw up or you get sick. That's like a good, you know, training session. That's exactly how I felt. And they call it the track day hangover, which the next day 
you're just out for the count. Your whole body's sore. You need like a gallon of water and you're just super exhausted. And it's a very physical sport. I mean, mind you, like you're approaching a corner, your whole body has to, you know, measure a turn and you have to lean going maybe 70 miles an hour. And that's like in a half a second, you have to make that decision. And it's just, it's a very physical experience and exhilarating too. Now, <laughs> now th this next question, it's, I'm going all the way around here because I want to hit some points. Oh, yeah. But, you know, you'll hear in sports people say Michael Jordan wasn't the best basketball player. LeBron wasn't the best. They just had, you know, the um, opportunity. I'm sure you've heard with your racing, she's going to be the Danica Patrick of motorcycles and somebody yeah. will pick you up just off your look because you can race or you could model, you could do this, you could do that. Um, and then it, so it kind of takes away from your skill to say, okay, I look like this. Right. And so you're thinking that I'm going to get a deal or, you know, these opportunities have come because I look like this, not because I'm just the best and I could smoke you in a race like that. Right. How do you deal with that when people say that? Because I'm sure you've heard that before. Oh, that they, I've gotten that so many times. And I just, I, I literally don't say anything. I'm like, okay, you know, and I just wait for the actions to speak because I've got, I get, I still get that at the track. I still get that in the comments and in my Instagram where like, Oh, that you, you look pretty cute next to your bike, but like, what can you do on it? You know? And I'm like, okay. So I felt like I needed to prove something. And, you know, that's where even my track, uh, you know, shots that you see on Instagram, the, the pictures, like still people, uh, you know, critique it and, they judge it based off of just the photo and they don't know what they see in real life. And it's just, it's um, baffling to me really uh, due to uh, they see, they see more of a gender than the person, you mm -hmm. know, and I'm sure you understand like when people like judge you just based off of your image or, you know, your gender, it's, you know, it's discouraging for me in the beginning, like, like mind you, my first track session, it was all guys. And I walked in and they were looking at me like, oh, look at this little girl, you know, and I'm five, five, I'm a little thing. Uh, <laughs> and it took me a little bit to like get acclimated and gain that confidence. Like, hey, I can do that. I can do what the guys can do. And, you know, and I had the right people in my life to encourage me to keep going and never give up. And you got to tell yourself that too. So, and, and in time, like you reach your goal. If you have that goal that like light at the end of the tunnel, like, don't give up because it'll be there soon enough. And, and with that, I mean, if you were trash and no good, you wouldn't be on the track long. The same way if Michael Jordan was trash, he would not have, you know, been in the NBA long. And the That's same true. thing with LeBron and Danica Patrick, because, I mean, I've, I've heard all the stories. Oh, you oh, know, yeah. she gets her money and you know what. And it's like, well, I mean, <laughs> I see her beating guys, though. I mean, you know. And so what, what's your point? Because you're not saying that to the male who she smoked. but right. Yeah, it's like, hello, come on, man. So it, it's, it takes time, and you got to look at the performance. You know, if it shows, there's no argument. But people always like to talk and kind of rattle your cage and get you going. But you, you got to – you know what? Your um, skeptics and the haters are kind of like your majority of following, those people that really give you that 
kind of fire underneath you to keep you going. It's a motivation, at least for me. And, uh, and it, it likes, for me, like, I love to prove people wrong. And that's just like the best thing. So, no, it definitely, yeah. it motivates me and other entrepreneurs, uh, you know, from yeah. clients to just friends. I know that, you know, the hate sometimes will have you be like, oh, okay, you don't think I can do it. Yeah. Um, but, but also, you know, I tell people, if you read the comments and you like them on the good, when they're bad, you, you could be depressed by them. So don't read the comments. Don't worry what people are saying. Just beat them at, you know, whatever you are doing. But yeah. with what you're doing, you know, I always tell people, I think entrepreneurs see the end goal, even if it's just the dream, you know, if you were to share it with people, you can see it before it happens. So mm -hmm. where do you see yourself? Do you see yourself getting the big endorsements, the, you know, million dollar endorsements, doing the races from here to France to Australia? Or is it just oh, something where you say, you know, I, I, I just going to do this and I just kind of want to stay local because the fame might make me go crazy. Like, where are you in, you know, your journey? You know, um, for me, I take it like this, like I've mentioned before, uh, tomorrow is uncertain, you know, and I am very passionate uh, with what I do in my life. And, you know, wherever it takes me, I'm all in and you just have to listen to your intuition. So if it does take me somewhere that I never thought I would go, I mean, I, I would be very thankful. Um, but even if I don't get really famous into racing I'm not in it for the fame anyways you know I'm in it for <clears throat> the uh experience and just that inner accomplishment that tells me that you know, I've done this and when I get older I can like sit back and say like I did this and I have no regrets I never uh you know stood back in fear and hesitated and just you know, you know turned my cheek I, I went for it and you know that's the greatest thing is just, you don't think you just do it. You can't have fear. So. Now racing is one aspect, but I'm sure you can do things on a bike that Hollywood, you know, they look for people like you has, you know, any of the acting or doing any stunts has that ever, you know, come across your table or interest you at all? You know what? Uh, on and off. A friend of mine, actually, she um, used to do stunt riding, um, but unfortunately, she passed away. She was in Deadpool. So I don't know if you heard about her. Uh, it was Deadpool 2, and she ended up um, having an incident uh, while she was rehearsing through the stunts. So she was a, a sport bike rider, and that really took me back. And I think that uh, stunt riders don't get enough credit, and... Um, that kind of discourages me and it just, it, to me, it's not worth it. You know, it's, it's a dangerous uh, job to be a stunt uh, performer, oh, I believe. Wow. Yeah. I did not see the, <laughs> it going that way. Oh, you know, it's like doom and gloom, but that's yeah. what turned my, you know, changed my mind about it really. And I'm just like, you know, I'll just stick with my track days and, you know, not worry about that, you know? So. Yeah. You know, anything with a thrill, uh, there's times where people can say, wow, I don't know if this is for me. For me, like I had mentioned riding a bull. That thing was fun until I saw the, you know, person before me um, yeah. one up 
and the bull just defecated all on his arm. And here I'm thinking, we're in the middle of West Texas. I got to jump in the car with that. If that was me, so I said, if any, I'm not going to let this bull step on me, horn me, um, or defecate on me. I'm going to do all that. (laughs) That I'd be taking a shower for a couple days like that. (laughs) Not a good smell, you know? Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. How did you get into that? Um, Like bull riding. So my wife and I got married in Massachusetts. Then she wanted to go to med school. But in Massachusetts, we went to the PGA. And we, we, I mean, you know, again, she's from West Africa. She had never, like bull riding. But she's one of those, when we had met almost 20 years ago, she was like, I want to have a Harley. And I'm like, oh, you get a Harley, I'm going to get a sports bike because I want to get busy. My, my parents would never let me have a bike. My friends, they had ramps in their backyard growing up. But, oh, and I'd be like, hey, we got a big backyard. And they're like, my pops is like, no, nah, it'll never happen. And I'm like, what? And he's like, no, it, it won't happen. Like, it's not. And so the PGA or the PBA, excuse me, not PGA, that's golf. Uh, Yeah, yeah, the PBA, that's dyslexia right there sometimes, folks. Um, (laughs) We saw it, and I was like, that's awesome. And she's all, you know, you see your woman like, yeah, I'm like, I can do that. And I just love a thrill. Like, things with a thrill, if I told you everything, it'd be like, oh, no, exit, (laughs) this is over. But I do things that are risky because it, in my brain, the chemicals in the brain, it it, it inspires things. So once we moved to West Texas, that bull ride was $20 and you didn't even have to say, uh, sign a waiver. And so the rodeo Mm -hmm. was like, you know, you want to get busy. I already had my hat. I had to prove (laughs) my hat. Like you can't be a cowboy and never be on a bull. I, we grew up horses time to time. Um, but I wanted the bull. And I've never rode, rode like a wild horse. All the bull riders say those things will kill you because they're vicious. So, yes. you know, but no, I just, I liked it, but it was expensive. And my wife said something besides the defecation. Um, my wife said something <laughs> like, you know, your insurance plan is pretty high. So do what you got to do. And that kind of be like, hold on, trying to get rid of me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> So, oh my gosh. I, yeah, so I like thrills. Um, you know, if you ever create like a platform like a YouTube or anything, and then I'm going to, I'm asking this question while I'm telling you this story, and you say, you know what? I one time want, I want to travel with my audience. I do things like that um, for my clients. And I've taken them overseas where they see the five star hotels and then I, in the casinos. And we go film and do all that crazy stuff. And then I say, let's go to the worst slum in this country. And so you can get a whole feel of this country. Because oh, I don't think you should go and just see the creme de la creme without seeing how life is for other people who don't, you know, right. $5 is a lot of money for them. So, oh, yeah. I mean, and on Instagram, people love to glamorize everything. So it's good to see both sides in the realities of life because life has two sides of everything, you know? I'm a Gemini. So I, I get it. I don't live in a box. Um, long, I mean, for many moons, you know, 50 years from now, 80 years, whatever it is, when I die, don't bury me in a box. I tell my kids, you know, uh, cremate me like they did my mother. Cause I need to be free, but I don't live in 
oh, this is how the rules are. My hair is actually rebellion um, to say, I don't want to be like you. I, I think yeah. I'm doing all right doing it my way. So <laughs> be yourself. I mean, that's, that's a part of life that I love. And I've always been told, um, you know, by my mom, like, in a sense, do what thrills you. Mm-hmm. So like just anything that gives you a thrill, whether if it's like reading a damn book or you walk outside, you go for a run and you feel good. And that's, that's the essence of life. And, you know, I've had like for hairstyles, I cut my hair short. I went from hair all the way down to my waist, chopped the damn thing off. And I had like Sinead O'Connor hair pretty much. So okay. people were shocked by that. They're like, are you okay? Like, are you, you know, doing that Britney Spears 2007 thing? And I'm like, no, I just want to cut my hair and... <laughs> I wanted to try something new, you know? So it's- No, that's, that's awesome. I, I want to go personal because when we're talking about relationships and yeah. I'm thinking of like when I do go on these trips and a lot of times I like to travel with my family, but sometimes it's not possible, and especially with clients. And people will say things like, hey, your, your wife lets you go and travel like this. And I'm like, let. And I could only imagine you <laughs> racing bikes and trying to date or, you know- Right. And I- how do you deal with that? Cause I'm sure, you know, knuckleheads come up and say, you know, I really like you. I really love you, but I need you to stop racing because you know, no, have you dealt with that issue? Um, you know what? Uh, in certain ways, yes. So I've actually held back from opportunities in my past relationships due to that reason that I just felt bad and I didn't want to upset you know, uh, who I was dating before, but like now I, you know, I'm 29 and I'm at that point where I, I believe in balance and, you know, I, I have my partner and, you know, her name's Christine and she is great. You know, she's an artist. So we both know, uh, what it's like to have a passion in life. So she is back there painting and she's, you know, um, doing what she loves and she's like you know what you do what you love you do what your passion you know tells you you know speak to yourself and i i appreciate that and you know if i were to travel like we trust each other and i feel like that's the biggest thing in a relationship is trust and um boundaries you know if you don't trust your partner there's something in yourself you don't trust and i feel that's a that's a fact for sure yeah, no, no, definitely. And adults, I mean, I, I tell people, we got to cut through the BS of what you yeah. see in the movies, because people are have been people before we were born. If we looked at our grandparents and our even great grandparents, you would see things that you wouldn't necessarily say society are acceptable, but you know, people have to just live their life. Now, please be safe. Please don't go out there to the bar and go get COVID, bring it back to, you know, your house. And in the same way, don't go out and, you know, sleep with the whole town and bring it back. (laughs) Right. And and people know who you're dealing with. You know if you're dealing with, you know, that type of person. And then tell yourself, can you live like that? Because we see politicians. I work with a little bit of everybody. So I, I see things and I'm like, I hope this never comes out. I'll do my best to guard, you know, yeah, this yeah. person's secrets. But I wish they didn't have these secrets and just lived their life and were them. But again... Absolutely people wouldn't vote for that type of person, right? They'd be like, oh, that guy, <laughs> he, he's crazy at the, you know, 
he goes to the special club. Um, right, while there's probably all doing the same thing, you know? So it's just, it's really weird. And the do- double standards are just, it's wild. But like you are the architect of your life and how you build it. But you're the one that has to, has to sleep at night at the end of the day. So if you're honest to yourself, you know, you're going to be honest and unapologetic to other people. And, you know, that's how you gain respect by being authentic and who you are, you know? My mouth is too big, so I, I don't get to, you know, and, and the tongue don't stop. So I don't <laughs> right. secrets. You, I, I got yeah. you know, It's just, it is what it is. If you liked it, you liked it. If you didn't, it's okay. Um, that's, you know. that's a good thing. I mean, you're honest and you know what? You're not responsible for keeping other people's secrets. So, and for me, I have a tough time keeping those in. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot that was a secret. I don't know. Like, you know, it's just... My life's too busy to keep track of that. So that's why yeah. I just bite my tongue. I try to. So <laughs> yeah. with the job, it, it, you know, you have to, you see things and you're like, okay, but I, I try to also pick people that I can deal with. They're crazy because maybe mm-hmm. I can relate in some way, but sometimes you get caught up in something like, oh, I didn't know. But let me ask you this with the success that you've had and the success that you're going to have, what is your community give back that you are doing or that you want to do in the future? Um, as far as racing community? As far as anything, it could be, you know, you want to teach people how to race, especially, you know, maybe young ladies who they have a, a, a thing just like you, but they don't have the money or they haven't seen someone like you, um, you know, do racing. Oh, um. I would love to inspire other women, um, especially those that don't really know much about racing in general, just like I have back in the day. You know, I had no idea it existed. So uh, that's part of the reason why I've created an Instagram um, to begin with, is to just, you know, tell my story and, you know, show that ladies can do what I do. And it's not unreachable. So, um uh, any girl that I meet, if I see them, if they're a backpack rider, I don't know if you heard of that term. I'm like, girl, you, you can get on a bike. Come on. And they're like, oh, I want to, but I don't know. And there's that hesitation. And I just can tell that all you need to do is just push yourself out of that nest. You don't know what you're capable of. And, uh, you know, and that's all it takes is that little encouragement. The encourage, encouragement that I've had that got me to where I am today. It really, you know, helps. So especially when there's someone that has, that's where you're at, like for me, like where I'm at today, it's inspiring because I can't believe that I've ever gotten this far. So I almost inspire myself like, wow, like I've gotten this far, but I still want more. And there's always room to learn and every day is a learning experience. So I feel like ladies can, you know, get together and teach each other and empower each other. And I feel like it's, it's going to be more of a women's world in the future, hopefully, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely think it's that's coming, um, yes. you know, and there's people holding on saying, no, it could never happen, but it's it's coming. Yeah, you <laughs> can be hopeful. <laughs> yeah, what, I mean, outside of America, it is. Most countries have had women leaders in some form or fashion, and, you know, right. even regimes like Gaddafi, he had women, you know, high level security uh, women who were real, you know, killers. You wouldn't want to just run up on them. Um, Right. Yes. 
Is there a, a female bike organization? I don't mean like a club, but like in what you do. Because I know there's, I know women in biker clubs, you know, regionally. But is there anything, okay. like what you do in racing for women? Um, so I'm glad you asked that. Uh, there's an event that I attend at Grattan Raceway, which is in Belding, Michigan. Uh, on the 5th of July, which is like the 4th of July weekend, they uh, hold an all-ladies event called Ladies First. So they, there's about like maybe 30 to 35 women from all over the country that attend this event and that have that same passion and same goal, you know. It's super um, exciting because we're all there. And after the track sessions, we sit and talk about it. We encourage each other. And it's just a very uh, inspiring um time and it usually happens on a friday and if we hang out and party and it's a whole weekend deal so yeah that's that's a big event um that i highly recommend for any woman that's you know looking to get into track racing now, so. now, and you can you can you can ask her on her instagram uh, more about that but i also want to know is there maybe like a youtube channel or a facebook group that they can join to you know find out more information about that oh absolutely uh, so that event i just talked about it's on sportbiketracktime.com and it's a track day that you have to purchase so uh you don't have to be a member you just go on and you look it up and they have it every year annually so and they also have an instagram a uh, sport bike track girl and also sport bike track time um and you could reach either or they both are pretty much the same company and they provide the same, you know, uh, system. So, uh, but as far as uh, racing goes, there's no other like um, performance professional uh, community that I know of. Mm -hmm. So I'm still kind of discovering that myself, but uh, there are local groups here in uh, Detroit area that um, are very inspirational, but they don't race. They're just, they get together and they have a great time and, it's just, uh, they call it uh, the Blueprint Allure. It's an all-80s girl group, and I've known them since I started um, getting into street racing. So it's, they're really cool chicks, and they, they do the street races, and, you know, they're definitely not to be messed with, so they're great. And um, also, there's uh, Vidalias, and they ride more so, uh, like, classic cafe-style bikes, and you know, they just get together at coffee houses and, you know, run routes that like go on for like a couple hours and they do charity work. So, and that's also something that's really good to get into if you're not interested in racing. So, no, yeah, that, <laughs> no, that, that is awesome. You guys yeah. have been given the game on racing, whether you are a man or a woman, you can take this and say, wow, this is how I can join this community. Cause that's what it sounds like. You yeah. join a community and then you found another community and you just kind of build on and build on and kind of get in where you fit in. So that's Absolutely. a beautiful thing. I don't want to give the people a game overload. So I thank you, Samantha, for coming no on. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I always uh, want to encourage other women to, you know, do what I do. So we have each other's backs. When you join that community, it's like family. So once you're in, you're in. You guys like, share, subscribe. You have been blessed with the game.
Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.